0: Welcome, welcome to a brand new and exclusive series of animation podcast minisodes brought to you by Squiggly Online Animation Magazine. I'm Ben Mitchell, Squiggly Editor-in-Chief, and I'm delighted to be bringing you this assortment of intimate filmmaker Q&As from the animation strand of the 25th edition of Bristol's prestigious Encounters Short Film Festival, which just wrapped up a few days ago. It was an amazing week of events and screenings. I'm a little fried now, but in the best possible way, for those of you who were in attendance, this series will hopefully help you with the post-festival come down, and if you weren't able to attend... Well, this is a great way to learn about some of the films that participated, so you know to look out for them in future. Our first Q&A session is for the competition screening, Animation 1, What The?, a collection of clever, fresh, dark, foreboding, experimental, and fun animated shorts. The attending filmmakers are Andy Haller, who served as sound designer on Thomas Rinaldner's film Don't Know What?, film that uses single-frame editing to create a fantastic, surreal, structural, and abstract portrait of the director. Also with us is director Adrian Lockman, whose hypnotic and immersive CG film, Flow, depicts a turbulent day painted by air. We're also joined by Rebecca Blecker, director of the semi-abstract 2D animated short and musical collaboration, Lior-like, made as part of the Clang from Vine project, Happiness Machine, as well as Ross Hogg director of 4.3, a short film adaptation of his installation piece of the same name, and recent recipient of a BAFTA Scotland nomination. Well, let's get right to it, shall we? If we're happy to crack on, shall we crack on? I think probably the best way to begin is if we all go down the line and you introduce yourself and what film you're here with and uh, what your role was on the film.
1: Yes, hello, I'm Andy Haller. I'm here for the film Don't Know What by Thomas Renoldner. But Thomas is at the moment in Ottawa, so I have the pleasure of being here. And usually I did music for his films, but ironically this time the film didn't need any music, so my role was more a technical one. But I'm still here to answer any questions that might come up that I can
2: answer. Hi, I am Adrian Lockman, uh, director of Flow, and I did, well, most of the animation of Flow, uh, a film that I made uh, because I wanted to make a film about air and wind. I hope I can shine a, a light on the film um, by, by your questions.
3: Hi, I'm uh, Rebecca Blocher, I'm the director and animator of the film lick a uh, It's the one with the lollipop in the beginning and at the end, um, yeah, later more.
4: Hi, I'm Ross. Uh, I made the film Four by Three. That's us. <laughs> First
0: of all, congratulations Thank on you. Uh, the good news. That, uh, is this a surprise?
4: Yeah, just found out this morning. Um, so that's that's quite good. Yeah. It's kind of it's, it's sort of um, it's uh, encouraging to know that uh, like a, an abstract film like that can can get nominated in that sort of uh, in that kind of world where it's normally sort of more narrative or. A commercial type project, so that's something that's uh, been quite surprising and quite good. Yeah. Excellent. My
0: understanding then is that this film kind of exists in multiple forms. Was it originally conceived as something for like VR? Or
4: no, the, the, the kind of VR or 360 element of the film uh, or version of the film was that was like an add on at the end. Um, the It was originally designed to be shown in physical space um, at a gallery or um, you know any kind of I- exhibition format. Um, that was because the, the kind of idea to make the film was to try and make my work more tangible. Um, so previous films that I've made have always been sort of hands-on and kind of, um, yeah, like really physical, kind of traditional processes. Um, and I felt like, a, a kind of logical progression for that would be to try and bring it into a physical space, um, to try and make it more immersive and maybe get rid of the distance that you can sometimes feel in a cinema by being separated from the screen. Um, so that was the idea was to make twelve films that you could physically wrap around someone in a gallery space, um, and they could interact with it sort of on their own terms. Uh, but during the process of making it, it was became apparent that it could become a, a film that could be seen in the cinema, and also then a VR, sort of, uh, or 360 version of the film was made, um, just to make it as sort of immersive and overwhelming as possible, because it's not confined or bound by, like, gravity or any real uh, restrictions, so the, the 360 versions the scale's huge, and you feel like you're sort of hovering in space, it's just a sort of black context and then these uh, projections start to come on and surround you. And it feels like you're in your own sort of personal nightclub. Um, But that was a sort of total add-on to the the process. Absolutely,
0: cool. Your previous work has used similar analogue techniques using film, generating visuals that way. Is there a particular kind of appeal about that process that you gravitated toward?
4: I think, I I don't know, I think I've I've always liked... um, I never went to animation school I went to art school um, and I studied illustration so my work has always been kind of hands on and kind of lo fi analog um and a lot of my previous films have been like drawn in charcoal or hand painted or um so I kind of when I got hold of a 60 millimeter projector i I was excited by the idea that I didn't need much technology to do it um and I could just be really kind of physical and immediate and make kind of intuitive marks and see can I just let the process dictate what happened because it's so small that you can't you can't like even the, the sound I should say is all scratched on film so I've made the noises by drawing on the waveform but again you can't control that because it's so small. I, I like the idea of chance and how um, and how I, I don't necessarily have to make all the decisions because it's physically not possible um, and then seeing where that takes you. Um, So, yeah, that's probably why I've I've kind of uh, been kind of gravitating towards that. Um, But I think it's also, I think this film in particular, like the reason for making that was because I'd done one previous or I'd experimented a little bit and messed about with 60mm film before. Um, But obviously, it's so small that you get frustrated by the kind of restraints. You can't do a huge amount. So, it was like, what if I? add more <laughs> if I make 12 films and try and time them so that they can, they can respond to each other and you essentially make a canvas 12 times as big, um, which sounds like a good idea in practice but it's really stupid because <laughs> you, you spend 12 times as long making the film. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know if I'd answered any of that. But.
0: Oh yeah, I, well we all saw the, um, the sort of short film version of it then today. Are there any kind of concessions to watching it in this format I know.
4: Do you feel it works as well as a kind of film on one screen? I think it. I think it's still. I think as long as it sounds loud, I think it still works. Um, it still has a, a feeling of like. I don't know. There's still an excitement, or a, like you still get attached to the rhythm. I think, but but I think it does translate better when you're at like. That's the feedback I've had so far as people using the, the 360 version, or or I think they, they feel like it's more immersive or more that you can. Than you can possibly get in a in a cinema. So I think the the gravitation's been people have generally liked that better. But I I've kind of I'm into both. I've, I think the cinema version you can the thing with the three sixty one is that I have no control of what people are looking at. So they they choose and the cinema one at least I can sort of slightly. I've only done two camera moves in it, but at least I can slightly direct or design the experience a bit more rather than having the viewer in total charge. Um, but yeah, I think, I, I think generally, I think it probably works a little bit better in 360, but yeah.
0: When you're in the 360 kind of space, does the sound change depending on where you're looking?
4: No. No. <laughs> no, uh, I couldn't afford. <laughs>
0: <laughs> on the subject of that, then the sound generation, what was your process for that? Because it's a really nicely constructed okay. uh, soundscape.
4: Uh, the, so basically I got a, a, a massive reel of uh, blank film, and I just covered it in like the the waveform down the right hand side of it, and marks, and experimented with what pitches and how I could create different sounds essentially. Uh, and I gave we went to a studio and recorded it on a tape, um, and then I worked with a sound designer from that point on, where we digitised those sounds, and but using because we filmed uh, recorded on a tape, we could stretch the tape, and we could play it back at different speeds to get a kind of broader spectrum of noise, and then I just left him, I was like make something that lasts almost five minutes, just do something, and then it was a back and forth process of like, he would give me, Robbie the sound designer would give me um, just like an example track and it wasn't far off from what I'd asked for, and I just kind of went back and tweaked it a little bit because it was almost a bit too much like a song and I wanted it to be to begin with like almost nothing and build up to something, and then. Break apart. Um, So there was a a few tweaks back and forward, but um, once he'd sort of re kind of ordered the sounds in order to create that uh, texture or that soundscape, then I got a digital file back which I could look through the waveform and find exactly where what frame each noise appeared in, and it was a case of just counting the frames and trying to match it up and work out if that's happening over here, then what frame I need to do on the film at the top left in order to make it. It's a whole thing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well it works very well. That's Thanks very, very nice much.
4: The
0: sort of immersive version then, is that available for people yet or is there a plan to make it available?
4: Yeah, the it played um, in a VR competition in Vienna and as part of that at the Vienna Shorts Festival in May and as part of that it won the, the Vimeo Award um, so Vimeo were over and they sat on a jury and uh, they chose to staff pick it and make it a staff pick premiere. So it's like the, v- the 360 version is actually on Vimeo just now, it's online um, and people can see it there. But it's also playing um, throughout the festival here and the uh, VR sort of immersive encounters. So
0: it's sort of the same kind of setup like on YouTube if they have the kind of things they can put their phone in? Yeah,
4: yeah. So you can you can it's pretty accessible in that way you can you can also just play it on your desktop and click and drag around but but um but yeah it's better if you've got a headset or the or the phone the cardboard box even it, it works in that awesome, well, congratulations
0: yeah, again thank you and, uh, thanks Cheers. very much and uh, i guess uh, moving on to rebecca so I'm kind of interested in, because this is quite an abstract film as well, it's got elements of you know character animation and it's uh, sort of combined. Uh, I'm mostly interested in kind of the general concept origin and how the film sort of gets off the ground, where you're from and what sort of like funding opportunities I suppose are available to get a project like this going.
3: Yeah. Um, The film is a part of um, 10 short films, it is also uh, screened on Friday here at the Encounters Festival, it's called Happiness Machine, and um, the whole idea came from Klangforum in Wien, it's an orchestra for um, new classical music and they wanted to make something, some kind of music and film mix um, to the uh, common good uh, topic. So they asked Tricky Women, so uh, another female festival for animation in Vienna, and um, they said, okay, then we ask 10 female filmmakers, you ask 10 female composers, and we put them together and every pair makes some, uh, one short film to that uh, topic. And I made my short film together with Eva Reiter, with a composer. Yeah, and so we could get the funding much easier. For it.
0: So, is it a mix of animation and live-action films for this project?
3: It's uh, my look My film or the whole? The whole project. The whole project. No, it's only animation. Yeah, it's one uh, a lot of abstract animation films, one documentary, and um, yeah, a few more storytelling films too.
0: I mean, for this, and there's definitely a kind of stream of consciousness vibe to the visuals, but being informed by music, I suppose, or having a kind of interplay with the composer, when you're approaching the sort of the visual side of things, do you have a kind of internal logic as to, like, a kind of story or a, a narrative element, or is it all just kind of going off the music?
3: So the music, she did the music, Eva Reiter only did the music. Um, I wrote the script first Uh and um, then I, yeah, I work very intuitive. So I'm not that rational person. And I also had that concept that I um, made photographs of plants, of real plants that grew. And then they got eaten by snails and I don't know. And I had to work with it. And I also had it um, that I drew uh, blind drawings that I only see my model, but I don't see what I really draw. And I made animation of this. So, for example, with the lollipop, um, there's a focus on the tongue and it's really good and fluent. And um, on the outside, it's really like, I don't know the word for it, like.
0: Sort of, um, it's a bit calamitous. Yeah, Yeah.
3: something like that. Right, and um, then, uh, Evan, uh knew the script and then we worked scene by scene so I sent her one scene she made the music and sometimes it was like I mean music has a very big uh, influence on the pictures and the film so sometimes I had to change a bit something because for example it was f- I thought it was a funny scene and then she made some real different kind of music on it and everything changed okay. <laughs> yeah
0: just sort of going back to something you just said then, so were the, the characters you were life drawing but not looking at the pages you were drawing? Is yeah, that, that's right. That's a great idea. That's a really, it's a, it makes a lot of sense picturing how they look, the kind of dimensionality of the characters. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a really nice effect.
3: <laughs> um, I love the two, yeah. The uh,
0: the opening sequence is quite distinct, like kind of compared to the rest of the film. Yeah. Where did that come from?
3: I guess I, I wanted to make some kind of commercial in the beginning, like it's the different world, or, or not not the different world, but yeah, that kind of advertisement world that was the beginning, like a yeah, like that before the uh, main movie comes, and then I um, chose that kind of product, that lick. That's a lollipop, <laughs> and that's where the name come from too. Cool. So yeah. this
0: project, then on the whole, I gather. Then, if you're screening in this category, another one screening in another category, they're all being kind of sent out into the world separately. Are there any sort of like exhibitions or special screenings that kind of group all of the films together?
3: Yes, yeah, uh, with the live orchestra, they make a music film live orchestra tour um there are a few dates so it was in in hamburg my hometown hometown in the Alp Philharmonie in may i guess and in vienna in that how is it called the, the really big concert uh, house yes right it's just concertos. <laughs> and yeah there are more dates with a live orchestra and the films on a big screen oh, oh, also yeah. the fantastic what? Well, well and uh, it's
0: great film uh, thanks, thanks very much for being with us.
3: Thank you. Uh,
0: Adrian. Uh-huh. F- you made the film Flow. Uh-huh. And, uh, so this was quite fascinating. I'm, I'm, I, I guess my kind of main area of like what I was intrigued by is just how the visuals were generated for this.
2: Yeah, I can explain. But the idea, I start first with the concept of the film was that I, I wanted to make a film about the air. Um, problem with the with the air, air is that you don't see it. So it, it took me. Uh, I, I at first I, could, I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't find a way uh, a concept on how to do that. Then after a couple of years, so I put it in a drawer. It, and then I I, I I I ran into a, a billboard, which uh, which is quite it's quite common a billboard that illustrates the aerodynamics of a car. Um, and I suddenly suddenly thought like so you have this car and you have these these streamlines. Around it, if you take away the car, you can still perceive that it was a car that was there. So you you use the the, how do you say that the rest, the the shape that stays when you when you take away the object, and that that was exactly the way I worked as well. So actually, the film exists in 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 um, in two ways. Um, Everything is built in normal uh, CG 3D modeling. So all the objects like. the woman, the cars, etc, everything, everything is just uh, build um, but not rendered. It's used for particle systems to bounce again and to, to trace, so um, because otherwise I mean that, that was the, the, the whole trick was to have these to have these particles follow the objects so they become kind of um, more or less visible and understandable um, and then take away what was there and then the particles tell the story. Um, that sounds rather simple but it was not at the end because problem with particles uh, and lines is that they they are very transparent which is which is quite nice visually um, but if you have several layers of objects then um, it becomes too much and it becomes kind of um, uh, how do you say that uh, a, a mess of lines so you have to all the time um, take out lines as well so that the 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 spectator is concentrated on on what's actually happening. Well, um, no, that that that's that's really about a technique. Well, particle I don't know. Particle systems are, are 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 very much used in in special effects. It's actually a fountain of little dots that that you spray on something, and uh, with a lot of parameters like gravity, turbulence, wind, you can kind of. Control them. So it's really, it's really, the movements are really combinations of hundreds of parameters that I had to play with to find the right kind of um, effect.
0: Yeah. Is it hard then to get a naturalistic wind motion off the bat? Do you have to spend quite a lot of time sort of tweaking? Well, well. If, it's just,
2: if it's just the particles and if the aim is not to, to visualize something, it's not too difficult, but if you really want them to go around an object, I mean like if it's a ball, that's, that's okay, it's like easy, but if it's a face, it becomes much more difficult because the particles like, they don't trace that exact, so I, I had to, of course I had to cheat, I, I cheated a lot, it's not, like, it's not like physically or scientifically correct, but it, it gives the idea more or less.
0: Artistic license artistic yeah. license yeah yeah <laughs> um so for the animation and the characters were they modeled and rigged like from scratch or was there any kind of motion tracking in there
2: no no motion tracking no no actually it's like uh, most of the models uh i just just bought from the internet because it's funny uh of course you you you, you still like uh, i mean they, they have to have they have to have the right feel when the the, the woman should be a, a young woman who moves kind of in an in an, in an, in, a, in an elegant way um, that was all animated by, by two different studios um, without motion tracking um, but because the particles are not that that like, um, detailed you, you get away with when it's like, kind of rough so those models were good enough for me still the animation of course that is underneath it is important although again uh, in motion as well the particles cover up a lot of um, mistakes or things that are not as delicately, delicately animated as if you would, as if you normally would do.
0: Yeah, you definitely get a sense of quite naturalistic motion through what you're seeing or what you're kind of, you know, not seeing.
2: Yeah, I, I think that is because it surprised me as well. But I that, that is, I think, because you you tend to follow literally the flow, so that kind of puts a layer onto everything that moves and makes it kind of um, um, natural, I guess. Hmm.
0: Outside of this uh, particular project, or perhaps alongside it, generally, what sort of work do you do in animation?
2: Um, I, I, had a, I had a commercial uh, animation studio uh, way back uh, in, in, in Holland. I lived in Rotterdam. And um, at the end of the 90s, you know, beginning in 2004, I moved to France. Um, and I was a little bit fed up of doing commercial work, um, so I started my. I, I made my first independent film, which was which was quite successful in France, and then that 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 was so much uh, awarding that I I, I I only wanted to do independent films. So since then I I do independent films and I make video installations. So that's um, that's what I'm doing right now. Excellent. Um, we were talking before about like different ways of displaying work and that kind of thing.
0: Is Do you have any kind of plans for that sort of thing, like expanding into VR immersive stuff? Yeah, we are
2: working on a uh, a VR version. Yeah, we are in the development phase of that. But what's the the great um, uh, challenge there is not to make a one-to-one translation of the film to VR. So just just like rendering the 360 degrees and that's it. Uh, we want to go into a more interactive, real-time rendered way so that you can really have, you feel the wind and you can steer yourself through the flow of air. Uh, that also means that the scenario for at least a part of it has to be rewritten. So that's that's in the, f- the phase we're in right now.
4: Excellent.
0: Cool. Thank you very much. You're welcome. And, uh, congratulations. Thank you. Um, Andy? Yes. Excellent. Um, I guess to start with, if you could tell us a bit about the work you do and how you know Thomas and um, how you kind of came together to work on this film. Uh.
1: Okay, we've known each other since the the late 80s or something. We met in Innsbruck where there was still the possibility for counterculture in big student centers, which doesn't exist that much anymore. And we met, like, we we did music together, we had one big band where we had, for example, a a moped on stage as a sound source and a lot of brass and, and stuff like that. That's really long ago. And then he started getting into animation film and I started getting into music, so I did music for his films mostly. And I, myself, uh, have have done a lot of other film music and have done films myself, feature film as well. But no animation film so far.
0: (laughs) Well, I suppose um, with this film, it kind of straddles the line of live action and animation. Probably this is a film that maybe quite a few people have questions about. Like if Thomas was here, they might want to kind of give him a bit of a grilling. But from, you know, working with him on it, what was your sense about what his intent was with it? Because in the film he just says, I don't know what I'm
1: doing. But did he know what he was doing? Of course. I mean, that he, he, he's always playing with the seriousness of art and the playfulness of it. And he always likes to go to the, to the border where those things don't quite are clear anymore. Because if, if, sometimes I get the impression, if somebody says avant-garde, it's a very strict and narrow thing. It's not being open for whatever happens or experimenting. It's, it's a genre. And he breaks that. And that's, that's what I like about it as well.
0: If you could just quickly remind me, so you didn't compose music for this film, you're here representing it, it but were you involved production-wise in any capacity?
1: Yes, he, he showed me an early edit and we talked about how to bring rhythm into it. And I even wrote down rhythms for him in frame uh, rhythm. So uh, how many frames are repeated, in what pattern. So I just sent him a few patterns, he asked me for it. But then he did it himself anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and this was the best thing to do because the sound and, and each, each single frame has its sound. And that's how, how, it, how, how the rhythms uh, happen, and this is always a combination of, uh, of visuals and sound. so it, it's very organic. And uh, he, he went with both, he went with the sound and the visual, and there was no need for a pattern from outside. And we planned to have a music at the end, and I tried something, but it was pretty clear, it doesn't make it better. So, this time I just, I just mixed the sound and, and, and made it um, impactful. Like it, it was a lot of technical stuff I did, but, but not so much creative this time.
0: As far as mixing the sound then, was a lot of it kind of constructed just by virtue of the editing? Or did you have to
1: actually match it like sort of frame to frame after the fact? It was more cleaning up. It's all the sounds that were there. And, and they, they gave it already the general idea. But sometimes there were like little, little dirty sounds that, that didn't help. Sometimes the, 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 this is nice, Yeah, it, gives it makes it more powerful. Sometimes it's just a little distraction. So I, I just like focused it more, every sound, that what I thought it should be to support the idea. And sometimes I did have to go into the frames, and sometimes it was a more general thing.
3: Oh,
0: Excellent. Well, thank you very much. So, I guess we can open it up to uh, the floor, if anyone has any questions for the filmmakers. I will gamble over with the microphone. Yes, sir. Hello.
4: Um, this is a question for um, Flo. Uh, you talk about um, developing it in VR. Mm-hmm. And in the film, there was a lot of moving the camera along with the wind. There's quite a lot of kind of thought put into VR. One of them is not like moving the player or the person with the headset, because that can cause some real motion sickness. Is there any way you've kind of thought around that or like any um, ideas you've had?
2: Uh, Good question. Um, and that is something we have to research, uh, because indeed that's something that, that, that can, can be really disturbing. Um, I think the key might be in letting the, the player or user um, move himself, so that he's aware of uh, which, in, which, with, in which speed he's moving, in which direction. And that might make it easier to, um, well, to move around. Um, to what extent that will really work is to be tested, because it, indeed it, it, that can be a problem. That's also one of the reasons that you can't really like put the film into VR just like that. It would like um, yeah, if you have to, we have to, you know, we have to provide a bucket on the side, which is not a <laughs> not a good idea. I, I, I have a question there, so like. I, I, I wondered like um uh the footage is it is it uh, the the real length of the footage that it's because it's just like a couple of simple movements it's like where he, he says something uh where he moves the table and where he moves the t- chair is that like i i can imagine- i try to imagine how it's been done like um uh recorded that and after that it was a, a lot of editing or is that, is that the way?
1: Exactly. That, that's, that's how it was. Yeah. He, I, I guess it must have been like 30 seconds or 40 seconds, maximum a minute of, of material. Mm-hmm. And they just filmed it in a go. And then he started picking the single frames and pulling his patterns. OK. It's still like, I mean, you cannot, you couldn't do that. On analog film, you you would get get crazy. No, 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 no. <laughs> so, so it's, so, so it's so modern and old fashioned at the same time because it is an old thing to just uh, cut, yeah, cut up.
2: So there was no stop motion involved. No, 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 okay.
0: no. Do you guys have any projects you're working on now or upcoming that you'd like to talk about at all? Yeah. No. <laughs>
2: I'm right now working on a, uh, video installations because, like making films, takes an enormous amount of time. This film took me seven seven years. Not not like full time, but it's like um, I mean, from 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 the concept to financing, financing to really making it. And um, I, I I really like to go into something that I can do a little bit faster. So I'm um, I'm now making. Installations of about two by two meters that are printed in 3D on which I project animations, and um, I'm going to have my first exhibition next year. So that is like uh, different in a way, but at the same time, it's like it's combining, combining what I was already doing. So that is um, that's what I'm doing right now. One last shout
0: to the audience. Yes, sir.
2: I have a very basic question, which is just about the resolution of the films that you each produced. Um, I'm used to working in 1920, 1080, and I, my mind is spinning from some of the colour effects that we've seen in, in the session. So could you just say something about the size of each frame and resolution that you worked at?
4: So my film was all hand-painted and scratched on 16mm film. So the the frame size on that is less than, a, by the time you've got the, the edges off, you're talking less than a centimetre like wide. Um, but I did 12 of them, so there's a tw- like quite a, a, a lot of space, I suppose, as opposed to just one. But then it was like filmed off. We I projected it onto the wall and filmed it off that. So that each film exists like embedded in a 1920 to sort of um, f- film. But uh, but then taking them separately and then uh, sort of compositing them together um, into one 1920 1080 film. So. That's what that's where it becomes sort of, um, it's quite good for exhibiting in, in like physical space, but it's also harder because there's there's not very many restrictions, so it's hard to, because they all exist as separate films, so you can do them huge. You can do, it just depends on equipment really, what you can afford to hire at the time. Um, but yeah, it's it's a really adaptable piece just because they all exist as individual films, um, so you can. I've had them exhibited on a sort of 22 uh, monitor um, thing, but I just repeated some of the f- some of the frames, so it kind of it played sort of in one horizontal line, as opposed to in a four x three grid. Um, but you can do it can be broken up and re and reordered in any kind of way. Um, but yeah, tiny tiny drawings, but 1920 by 1080 files essentially.
3: Yeah the drawings are in 4K that I made um the pictures of the plants are i don't know much bigger like raw and i think the smallest were the underwater photographs that i used for the cells i think they were i don't know a bit smaller but we uh, had to use 1920 um and 1080 because we were ten filmmakers and we had to agree on something so <laughs>
2: This version of FLOW is in 2K, but it actually exists in um, four versions. Uh, 2K, 4K and 2K and 4K stereography. So um, that's. Um, I, I, I haven't seen the 4K myself yet. I mean, I've all rendered it, but the problem is there are not many theaters that can show it. So um, I hope um, there, w- there will be one soon.
1: It was shot on a red one, so it's 4K. There is a 4K uh, version. But I think I'm not sure. The projection is uh, 2K, probably. Yes. I mean, yeah. Probably for
0: yeah. yeah. Well, thanks very much again, guys, and uh, congratulations. I hope you enjoy the festival. Um, and yeah, thanks to all of you for coming. Have a great week. Thank you to all the attending filmmakers, and you can find out more about the projects discussed in this episode online. For don't know what, visit thomasrenoldner.at. Adrian Lockman can be found on Vimeo, as can Rebecca Blucker and Ross Hogg. You can also see more of Ross's work at rosshogg.com. Don't forget to keep your eyes on squiggly.com for future encounters, minisodes, and coverage. You might, for example, want to check out our recent interview with Max Hatler, whose film Serial Parallels also screened in Animation 1. We're also at Squiggly on Twitter, at Squiggly Animation on Instagram, and Facebook.com slash Squiggly Magazine. I'm also on Twitter at Ben L. Mitchell. I'll be back very soon with episode two of our Squiggly at Encounters 2019 podcast minisode series. Until then, happy animation!